Hello, this is Nicole Jardim, and today we'll be mapping menstruation on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on how to use the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be talking with my friend, Nicole Jardim. Nicole is a certified women's health coach and the creator of Fix Your Period, a series of programs that empower women to reclaim their hormone health using a method that combines simplicity and sass. Her work has impacted the lives of women around the world in effectively addressing a wide variety of period problems, including PMS, irregular periods, PCOS, painful periods, amenorrhea, and many more. Nicole is also the co-host of The Period Party, a top-rated podcast on iTunes. Be sure to tune into that if you want to learn more about how to fix your period. It's linked in the show notes. Let's get started. Nicole, I'm super excited to have you here on the 15-Minute Matrix. I am thrilled to be here, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me. We are talking periods. It's our own little period party here today. <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> and I want to start by thinking about menstruation and all the signs, symptoms, conditions we might think of as clinicians that are related to menstruation and potentially menstrual problems? There are quite a few. And I think that unfortunately, what tends to happen is that they are so normalized in our society. Mm. So in many cases, we don't even realize that they are a problem. For instance, one of those would be spotting at mm. different times in your cycle. And you might not even realize that that is an issue, but in fact, it is. And so I'll get into that more. But you know, spotting or bleeding in between periods is certainly one of the symptoms that I look for, as well as PMS, premenstrual syndrome, or PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. I call mm. it PMS's bigger, badder sister. And mm. it's no joke. So these kinds of symptoms I find are really problematic for women, and yet they are often dismissed. So in addition to that, I find period pain and heavier long periods or too frequent periods, meaning that you're bleeding more, you know, you're having more than one period a month, so to speak, light and short periods infrequent or irregular periods and missing periods, those tend to be the most common period problems that I see. Mm, yeah. And a period problem could be an upstream indicator of things that are to come, right? Most certainly. Yes. And so I've always referred to our menstrual cycle as the canary in the coal mine, mm -hmm. because it really is. And for anyone who does not know the analogy, really what it means is that canaries were used in coal mines back in the day because they were very sensitive to noxious gases. And unfortunately, they would die before the coal miners would. And so the miners would know to leave the mine immediately. And so with our menstrual cycles, 
it's not as morbid, but when there's something wrong with our menstrual cycles, it, it is a sign for us that there's something going on systemically. Right. So it's a pay attention. It's a pay attention to this something's going on that needs you to look at it or raise your hand, if you will. Certainly. And that's what I say to women all the time, too, is that this problem that you're experiencing does not mean your body is broken. It means your body is actually working the way it's supposed to. It is alerting you to another problem that is happening somewhere else. I love that. And it really makes me think about how we kind of beef up our questionnaires, our intakes to ask all the questions because oftentimes our clients or patients aren't coming forward with these problems that they think of as minor or just something they suffer with as as you alluded to, until the issue is bigger. Oh, certainly. I know. It's almost like they have to have an event that happens. And in fact, many of the people who come to my website, when they search for whatever they're searching for, it's usually between the hours of midnight and 3 a.m. Mm, <laughs> and they're right. up with, you know, like I said, an event. They've bled through their tampon and pad overnight and onto their sheets and they're now up at three in the morning Googling what to do about heavy periods or their cramps have woken them up and they're in such excruciating pain. They're also trying to figure out what to do about that too, or what's causing it. So for sure, it seems that there is an acute event that happens to most for them to start to figure out what could be going on. Because like I said before, we have so normalized these symptoms as just being part of being a woman or a part of having a period. What we have to suffer with, so to speak. Oh, tell me about it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's so much we can look at in all parts of the matrix related to menstruation, but I'm wondering if we can head over to the left side of the matrix, the story. I know we can look at the triggers for menstruation. It really is adrenal health and understanding the way and the role of the adrenal glands in initiating puberty. However, with these issues, what are some of the big triggers? There are multiple, as you know, and I would say that if we can start to look at our hormones in a sort of tiered system, meaning that cortisol and insulin, our stress hormone and our blood sugar hormone, respectively, are at the top and they have a cascade effect mm -hmm. on our more subordinate sex hormones. Yes. I think that that's a really good way for women to understand a hormonal imbalance that could be triggering their period problems. And so when I say this, I think of cortisol and that's our stress hormone. We already know that for the most part it can be triggered for a number of different reasons. And what I have found most is there's some kind of external psychological stress happening, or there's an internal stressor, right. whether that's, you know, a food sensitivity or something else going on with your gut health, for instance. And it's causing this release of cortisol and other stress hormones. And then there's this downstream effect. And so cortisol literally dampens our body's ability to produce progesterone, for instance. And it also almost hijacks our hypothalamus. What's happening in your brain is pretty much the epicenter of what's happening uh, throughout your body. And so if your hypothalamus is completely hijacked, by whatever these external stressors are, or even these internal stressors, it's going to say to your ovaries, 
it's not a good idea for us to do this thing that we're about to do right now this right. month. And as a result, your ovaries start to malfunction in a way. They kind of shut down a little bit. And so that's sort of the first step I think that tends to happen. And we don't ovulate and then we don't get our period the way we thought we were going to get it, which is you know consistently every single month. With insulin, that's similar in that insulin hijacks how our brain functions. It hijacks how all of our body systems function really. And unfortunately for our ovaries, we have insulin receptors on them. And as a result, it's almost like a switch is flipped and our ovaries start to produce more testosterone in some cases. And that completely shifts the balance of estrogen production. And then your hypothalamus is not getting that estrogen signal right. that it needs to then make your ovaries do the next step, which is to start to get that egg really ready for ovulation. So again, that'll disrupt it. There's a lot of disruptions that happen down the line, so to speak. Yeah, there's so many things I'm thinking of as you're outlining this. I too think of blood sugar, insulin, and cortisol as the foundation, kind of when we're looking at any hormonal issues, the roots of anything that might be happening with our sex hormones. Hormones. And what you've identified so beautifully, Nicole, is that imbalances in our period can come from upstream issues as well as being the upstream issue to other downstream signs and <laughs> symptoms, right? So the stressors could be external, the stressors could be internal, like we could have somebody who has bacterial overgrowth of some sort, and that's an internal or metabolic stress that's causing the body to experience stress, the adrenals to express cortisol in a continuous way, which then results in a downstream period imbalance that then becomes an upstream factor to more downstream imbalances. So it just shows us kind of the web of interactions. Yeah, not complicated at all. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I was thinking of as you were talking, Nicole, is I had the opportunity to hear Robert Sapolsky speak recently, and he's the author of Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. And he articulates really beautifully that there's a role that cortisol has, right? It's doing things like suppressing rest and digest and suppressing our reproductive hormones. And we know what it does when it's working well and helping us flee from a lion. However, the way we're releasing cortisol, as you alluded to, is in a continuous way. And then we see these impacts that are happening on the body and particularly on the sex hormones. 100%. And I think that then that can show up in multiple ways. And I think that that's what tends to be confusing for clients or patients is that they think that their friend has heavy periods and they don't, then they're fine. And then there are other people, their period might disappear completely with, you know, because of those upstream hormones. So some women might have heavy periods, some might miss a period completely. And it's just so dependent on our own unique physiology. I think often about what we can do, and I know everybody wants to know here, what do we do to help normalize periods? And I want to get to that, but I also just want to stress how much I love the process of tracking as a yes. tool for practitioners. So I wanted to ask you both about the assess and the tracking part of the equation. What are you using to assess somebody's period regularity and what are you doing to track it? 
I think that the first step for me as a practitioner, I am really doing a comprehensive review of what's going on with their period first and foremost. And I think that that's really helpful for people because they are so surprised that all of this is being looked at in Mm -hmm. this way, literally with a magnifying glass. And so I help them define what I consider to be a normal period. And I'll just share that because I I think it might be helpful. I define a normal period as vaginal bleeding that occurs every 25 to 35 days, and it's followed by ovulation. And so the bleeding typically should last, I believe, personally, for about three to five days. I mean, periods really have a range of about two to seven usually, and and that's an okay range too, but three to five I've considered to be ideal. And the average blood loss, interestingly, for periods generally, is about 35 to 50 milliliters. And so that's really only about 7 to 10 teaspoons. Hmm. Basically, that's a regular pad or tampon. You're thinking about 6 to 10 pads or tampons. And this is a fully soaked pad or tampon, so we don't always do that. And so it could be a few more, maybe a few less. But that's really what you know I'm telling women to look for when they're starting to think about what is considered a normal period. I love that because it really allows us to start to think into, wait a minute, I'm having this, or in my case, I had that. Is that normal? Is this enough? Is this too much? I love that you're getting so specific about the amounts and the duration. It's really quite unbelievable. Periods can range from literally five milliliters, which is not, it's like one tampon essentially, all the way to like 200 milliliters, which is a huge problem. And so if we're looking at over 80 milliliters, which is about more than 16 soaked pads or tampons, that's where I'm kind of like, all right, we need to start to figure out what's happening here. And of course, on the flip side, if you are really only using like one or two tampons or pads in your entire period, then we have to look at that too. That's how I get a clearer picture of what's going on. So I explain everything to the person I'm working with, and then I have them really track those specific period symptoms, as well as any symptoms that accompany their period or in the week leading up to them. Beautiful. So I know we don't have a lot of time left and you have so much to share. If we go over to the right side of the matrix, the skills area, Can you bring us through those five different areas and give some of your top tips to shift things towards normalization? For sleep and relaxation, I think that optimizing sleep is so crucial. And the reason I say this to women is because melatonin production actually impacts your ovarian function. Mm. And so it's going to affect your period. And so when women hear that, they think, oh, wow. So they've made this connection. We go through all the different ways to help optimize sleep so that they're getting what they need. And again, they're tracking those symptoms too. Like we're tracking using, whether it's an Aura Ring or an Ava fertility bracelet, how much sleep they're getting and how that interplays with the different symptoms that are related to their menstrual cycle and their fertility. Beautiful. And exercise, especially if somebody's having so many issues with pain and PMS... Exercise is tough, especially if you are in pain every single month, if you have extremely heavy or painful periods, or you have a condition like endometriosis. And so what I ask women to do is 
just think about how you can get five to 15 minutes of movement into your day. Make it a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Can you just go for a walk around the block? Even if you're just getting some fresh air and walking a hundred steps, is that something that you can make happen for yourself? And maybe in the times in your cycle when you're ovulating and you actually have more energy, that would be a time where you maximize your physical exertion, your exercise. And then when you get your period, you just slow it down completely. And maybe you don't do anything, but maybe some stretching. So we're really adapting to where we are. Of course, you have a lot to say in nutrition. And we know that a lower glycemic is going to be better because we're concerned about that blood sugar and that insulin secretion. Any other great tips for managing our periods? I have found that if women focus on a higher protein, higher fat diet in that second half of their cycle when progesterone is dominant and blood sugar issues tend to be more prevalent because estrogen is low and estrogen does this really amazing thing where it helps your blood sugar stay more stable, I find that that higher protein, higher fat in that second half of your cycle really pretty much wipes out PMS symptoms. It is quite amazing. I actually had a friend say to me that she felt she got leaner in the second half of her cycle by following those basic tips. Mm, Wow. What about seed cycling? I love seed cycling. I have found it works miracles for women who have very irregular periods or are even missing a period. And I have also found it to be really beneficial for women who have heavier periods and PMS symptoms. So it seems to work across the board, but it's because of the incredible nutrient powerhouses that seeds are. I just have to ask one final question. It's about stress. We talked about the adrenals. And is there anything that you like to bring in for most of the women that you work with that addresses stress directly or their resilience to the stressors in their life? I think one of the basic tenets of my work is to really explain to women why their bodies are doing what they're doing. Because a lot of the stress I find that they experience is rooted in feeling like their bodies are dysfunctional or broken and that they're missing school or work because their period is, you know, whether it's very, very heavy or extremely painful or just generally debilitating. And so for me, I believe that If I can educate them on the fact that their bodies are just responding to, you know, what is happening in their lives, whether that's what they're eating or the stress that they're experiencing or any other existing circumstances, then they, it calms their stress response down. So I find that if I can educate someone about what's happening in their bodies and why, what's going on under the hood, so to speak. I think it brings their stress levels down a notch and they're able to be more resilient to it. Excellent. It really does come down to that education and when we can make those connections. Thank you so much, Nicole. You have so much to share and this is such an important issue often overlooked. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Andrea. I appreciate it. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The 15-Minute Matrix team includes music by my son, Gilbert Nakayama, and Carla Schaefer on sound production, as well as Renee Hunt, Natalie Merrill, and Christine Shook. 
You can visit us and hear more episodes at 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode, please go to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. We'll be sure to drop into your inbox with a really short reminder that a new episode is ready for you. You also have an open invitation to email us. We want to know who you'd like to hear on the podcast and what you'd like to see mapped on the 15-Minute Matrix. You can always email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. 